from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving, and storage studio, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. On the Ramsey Show, we help people build wealth, do work they love, and create relationships. It's the foundation. So glad that you're with us. 888-825-5225. Calls toll-free, and that's about what the advice is worth. 888-825-5225. I'm John Deloney, joined here by George Camel, and we are taking your calls on life, work, money, mental health, all of it. Let's go to Michelle in Cincinnati, Ohio. What's up, Michelle? Hi. um, Thank you for taking my call. Of course. What's up? Um, So earlier this year, my mom passed away, and um, I inherited an IRA for her, um, or now for my benefit, um, and some silver bars and coins. So I'm really just trying to figure out primarily what to do with the inherited IRA. Well, what happened with your mom? Cancer. Oh, gosh. What was the duration? Um, probably like a year, but then it definitely started to accelerate, um, you know, towards the end it started spreading. Um, so at that point it, it went pretty fast. I'm George and I were just sitting here, both of us, I, I can feel it in the room. Um, we both love our moms. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's hard. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for trusting us with your call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it sounds like she left a legacy for you. With a pile right. of money instead of a pile of stress, trying to figure out the finance, <laughs> the financial part. Uh, how much right. was in the inherited IRA? Um, it's about eighty thousand. Okay. And the silver and gold, have you gotten? Have you taken that to figure out how much that's worth? I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> um, I don't know if I should like go to a jeweler or go to like a coin. You know cash in your coins, but you know, people that buy silver and gold stuff. Um, I would I put it I in a coffee that. can and bury it in the backyard just in case it all comes down, Michelle. <laughs> right. You never we know. The apocalypse happens. We're all going to be gone. I need a gold bar right now to survive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When people are, are struggling for food and water, you'll have a can of gold bars. <laughs> That's what we need here. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely sell it. I would start with a jeweler and figure out... Um, you know what it's how much what the weight is and all of that and figure out where what it's worth and they may be able to help you in selling that and recommending some further options for you how much how much gold and silver are we talking like three or four bars or you got a bag of it somewhere <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot there's bars and coins so Okay. You're going to probably not want to have your address on the internet for the next few <laughs> few months, right? Um, yeah, I would I would do that sooner rather than later. And I'd probably get, um, if this is me, I'd probably get two or three different opinions. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. Tell the jeweler who's going to try to make you a deal. Um, thank you very, very much. And you'll think about it and be back. Yeah. So where are you I've at? Where are you at financially? Um, we are doing really well, um, my husband and I. Um, we just really have, as far as the only like liability would be his vehicle. Um, we have a loan on his vehicle and then our home. Okay. Do you guys have an emergency mm-hmm. fund of three to six months of expenses? Yeah. Okay. What's left on the car loan? 
Um, it's about 20. We ended up, it, it kind of like all happened around the same time that my mom was passing and hmm. we just were like, just get the loan. And then we actually, we're going to pay that off in, in a year. So okay. we already have a plan. We want to pay that off and just be done with it. What's your so, household income? That's not, we don't want to touch any of, you know, any of any, the inheritance that, that I received. You don't want to touch it. What do you mean by, are you, like, you called I don't and asked what to use, do with it? I don't, <laughs> I don't want to use like the inherited IRA to pay off the vehicle. Like we really just want to try to think more about like maybe some legacy planning with the inherited IRA or like, you know, something for our kids. So this is um, a common thing that we do is we attach meaning to gifts like this, right? Yeah. And we end well, up... Well, when your mom tells you that. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally understood. Listen. But you see you're holding a 7% car note on a depreciating asset in one hand, yeah. and then you're holding gold bars in the other hand. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. it becomes... Uh, downstream the greatest thing you can do for your legacy if you will is to yeah. stop owing stop stop letting that legacy money make somebody else rich in the meantime yeah so you can have a fully funded you can have this ira you can have a bag full of gold in the backyard and for a, we're saving it to help somebody else down the road and then at that same time your your your, your money's walking out the back door right mm-hmm. i know you don't want to hear that but that's the reality. The best legacy you can leave is is while you're alive, and that's getting completely debt free while your kids are still young, and you have all of your income at your disposal. And now we can yeah. create amazing memories no and experiences, stress. and start funding college, and that's things we can't do when we have payments hanging over our head. And so, if you want, here, here's what I, it's clear: you want to not touch this for now. What if we sell the silver and gold? Hopefully, that's enough to cover the car loan. That would be cool, and that puts you guys at baby step four, where you have a fully funded emergency fund and no consumer debt. Now we can right. begin investing 15% to retirement and throwing any future income extra margin at the house. And personally, I mean, you, you got the 10-year rule with the inherited IRA. So you have 10 years to use that money. And that's what I just don't know what to do with. So you can, I don't know. You're going to have to take it out at some point. And so we can't Right, just but let I don't know sit. what to like put it in an investment account or add it to our kids' 529s or I don't know. You can do a little bit of everything. You can invest some of it. You can save for college with some of it. And you can throw some of it towards the house. You can take some of it and go on a vacation. Um, it's a choose your own adventure at four, five, six. But you still have to be intentional about making those things happen. You're investing 15%. We've got some put away for college. We've got some extra going towards the house. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do a little bit every year if you want with the 10-year rule. And right. obviously work with a tax advisor. I assume this was a traditional IRA, so there will be taxes on anything you withdraw? Yeah. Okay. So just work with a tax pro to figure out what is this going to mean for our tax situation um, for right. next year if we withdraw any of this money and it creates extra income for us. Because it will be taxed right. at your, your you know normal income tax rate. I, I right. can speak to what I would do in my house, and I am 98.5% sure that I would take this and pay my house off. I thought about that. I would pay my house off. I would clear everything. And from this point forward, every single dollar that went into my house that came into my home would be for what we wanted to do with it. I would be making nobody else rich off my hard work from this point forward. And then I would save like 
that for college and for down the road and be I would be the driver's seat of my own legacy at that point because I would owe nobody anything. That's just what I would do if it was me. I'm with John. We're just two two guys' opinion. <laughs> two guys' opinions but. who don't like owing people money. Hey, we'll be right back on the Ramsey Show. Eight two five five two two five. This is the Ramsey Show. I'm John Deloney, joined here by George Campbell. Let's go out to Will in Birmingham. What's up, Will? How we doing? I'm just chilling out. How are you doing today? Outstanding. How can we help? So, as a bit of background, um, I'm 17 years old, about to go to college, and I am medically diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Okay. And my biggest my biggest fear is being dependent on the government or anyone else. And I guess my question is, how can I go through my life as a disabled person without being reliant on somebody else financially? Hmm. So tell number one, don't ever refer to yourself as disabled again. Cool. Yes, sir. Cool. You have some unique exceptionalities and you see the world differently. You're not neurotypical. Big deal. Okay. Yes, sir. Fair. So, yes. what um, what what does your autistic diagnostic? What does autism prohibit you from doing, and what does it help you do? My autism mainly affects my behavior. I can't read social situations at all. Okay, and there are many times where it affects my employment. Okay. What are some things that your autism provides you that are put you ahead of the people around you? Me personally, I feel that I'm very focused on what needs to be focused on. I can pick out a situation and get it over with pretty quickly. Several of my favorite law students ever were high-functioning autistic. They were incredible and brilliant and struggled to with um, social cues. And so they went into more of business law and contract law where they spent a lot of time writing and reading and thinking through complex problems. And then their interaction with the world was largely written, right? So I, and that's just one tiny sliver. I want you to not head into the next stage of your life into college. And have you already been accepted? You already been out applying? Uh, no, I'm not applying yet. Okay. I don't want you to head into this season with your head down. Okay? Okay. I want you to head into the season with your head up. You've got some challenges. I want you to think of social cues as skills. Okay? Yes, sir. Those are some skills you're going to learn. And you're gonna you're going to get in an ABA program. You're going to meet with the college um, student support services. And they are going to put you in contact with people that are going to help you through your academic journey. Now, the other thing, what you said, I get with all my heart. I don't want um, 
I don't want to be reliant on the government. I don't want, man, how old are you? 17. I, I get that sentiment. What I don't like about that is none of us, you, me, George, my wife, my kids, none of us get through life without other people walking alongside us and supporting and helping us. So I get you wanting to be autonomous and I get you wanting to stand up on your own, own two feet. That idea is noble. It's not reality for any of us. Okay. What I want you to do is have the courage and the foresight to ask for support and assistance when you need it, especially academically and socially in college. Okay. Yes, sir. So I want you to think of asking for support and asking for help as a skill to practice because you've probably either never done it, you hadn't had to because you you are smart enough and driven enough to just get through your assignments in, in high school, right? You can just buzz through that stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. College is going to be hard. And some of that stuff's on a time schedule. Some of that's working in groups and you don't like working in groups or your body reacts to working in groups, right? Um, and you get frustrated, and then people are like, he's scaring all those things. Skills, okay? And we're going to reach out for support and help with those skills. Is that fair? Yep. Okay. The world will be a better place because you are in it. Do you believe that? I tried to. Okay. I don't lie. And, uh, in fact, I don't lie to a fault sometimes. I'm telling you the truth, okay? Now, your job moving forward is to take a uncritical head head up walking into the challenges that lay before you, not as someone who's quote unquote behind the eight ball already, who's less than, but somebody has got different challenges than other people do. And I don't make light of it. You got significant challenges. It's going to be a different road for you than it was for me. And you are absolutely up to the challenge. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Excellent. So, I'm, I'm proud of you. Well, what are some of your, your talents, interests, things you've been thinking about pursuing or studying? Um, well, I love to be a writer, author, or something along those lines. Excellent. Well, Excellent. that's something that doesn't involve being around a ton of people all the time. And there's a lot of roles like that. And so, <laughs> George and I are writing books right now, and it's the loneliest, so lonely. It's the loneliest thing in the like, world. John, do you want to write together? No. Uh, but there's a ton of jobs. I mean, even you think about computer programming and accounting and you know auto mechanics and journalists and the trades. There's so many things that you can do. And so I just don't want you to paint yourself in a corner and go, well, who's going to hire a guy like me? Right. And what skills do I have? Dude, there's so much value you can bring to your communities and so much impact you can have regardless of where you're at right now. And can I tell you this, Will? Um, now most of my day is taken up doing podcasts, YouTube, and social media stuff. None of those things existed when I was 17. They didn't exist. And so what I don't want you to do is to rehearse tragedy, rehearse dismay, I don't want you to spend a lot of 17-year-old, 18-year-old energy worrying about things that may never come to pass. Instead, I want you to put your head up, walk into the challenges that are before you, and let those challenges consume your day, not imaginary challenges that may or may not come down the road. Okay? Okay. And that is much harder than I just said it. I carry a, a journal with me because I have a bad habit of that too. Okay? And I'm not on the spectrum. Is that cool? Yes. Awesome. I want you to um, hang on the line. I'm going to. Uh, we're going to send you a couple of things to get you going. We're going to send you um, 
Anthony O'Neill's book, our good friend Anthony O'Neill, The Debt-Free Degree. As you enter into the college process, we want you to do that debt-free. And it's got a step-by-step guide there. I'm going to send you a copy of Own Your Past, Change Your Future. It's a step-by-step, here's how we're going to build what comes next. Um, And uh, we're also going to send you... um, Financial Peace University for a year. I want you to start learning the skills of budgeting, learning the skills of asking yourself, what do I need? And then how am I going to get there moving forward? And this is going to, there's going to be nine videos. I want you to watch them. I want you to pay attention and internalize them. And if your mom and dad or your friends will watch it with you, that'd be fantastic as well. But we're going to give you several tools here to get you I'm going to do one more, John. Okay. Ken Coleman's book, From Paycheck to Purpose. Love it. I think that will help him figure out what that next thing is that he can sink his teeth into. Love it. And uh, heading into college, man, Here's what I'll tell everybody. If you can learn to write, you can work anywhere, right? You can work anywhere. My dad used to tell me when I was a little kid playing Little League, if you can hit, they will find a place on the field for you. They will figure out a way to get you on there if you can hit the ball. Uh, it's the it's writing now. If you can write, whether it's social media, whether it's long form, whether it's short form, whether it's expense reports, whether it is, you know, um, you know, Things that lawyers write, doctors write. If you can write, they will find a place for you. That makes me feel better, work. John. I'm so glad we moved from being able to hit a ball to being able to write a sentence. That is something <laughs> I, I can do. We're getting there, George. We're getting there. Um, George, it, uh, we are way, way ahead um, here. But tell us, um, what are you thinking about writing about? Well, John, as I've been here for nine years and kind of been a part of this journey battling against such toxic myths that we believe as a culture that have led us into this place, I really want to hit that head on. And a lot of stuff I did in fine print and we'll be covering borrowed future and showing people a path out. Because I was that guy who thought, well, this is normal. And I realized normal sucks and there's another way to live. And so I want to unpack that system for people and go, oh my gosh. I was believing a lie. Now I'm outside of the matrix. Now we can become debt-free and live life on our terms instead of the lender's terms. And so that's a, that's a little bit of what I'm working on, but I'm excited about it. Love it, love it, love it. I can't wait to read it. Hey, this is The Ramsey Show. We'll be right back. Blinds.com's 100% satisfaction guarantee means even if you mismeasure or pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. You get free samples, free shipping, and with the new promo codes they run every month, you'll save even more. Use promo code RAMSEY to get the best deal. Today's question comes from Lauren in New Mexico. She says, my husband claims to be a, air quotes, Dave Ramsey guy. To his credit, we are now debt-free with no mortgage, but we are not on the same page financially. I do not know how much money is in our accounts, nor do I know what accounts we have or how much money he makes. He is self-employed with a few business ventures. I currently do not have a job as I oversee care for my 85-year-old father and homeschool our special needs daughter. I can figure it out all out by force, but want him to share and include me voluntarily. 
Do I keep waiting for a calm and peaceful inclusion in our finances, or do I just gather the information against his will and move on? Lauren, that will never come. There will never be a moment he's driving down the road and thinks to himself, Whoa! I'm an arrogant jerk who uses um, wields I know something you don't know as a form of power in my marriage. Or, you know what? I treat my wife like a seven-year-old daughter. Um, that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to sit down and say, not knowing our financial position, not knowing where the money is, what you owe, what businesses you have, scares me to death. I can't breathe when I think about our money because I don't know where it is. I don't know our. I don't know anything. And if you die, I don't know what to do next. And if you live, I don't know what to do next. And I'm watching my 85 year old dad pass away in front of me. I'm homeschooling our special needs daughter. I am already exhausted, both psychologically and spiritually, and like physically. I need you to be on the same page with me. That's where you start. And here's the scary thing about being vulnerable. Like the idea of vulnerability is rolling an animal rolling over and showing its belly. It, you, it can get hurt. You put that on the table and he looks at you and says, I'm not talking to you about this. Which could happen. It's a risk. Um, then you have bigger issues. And my gut tells me, you know you have bigger issues. This is not indicative of a healthy marriage. And usually people are not unhealthy in one place. Usually if you get the flu, your whole body hurts and you throw up and you got the rockets and you've, you're, you know, all you feel your head hurts. All of you hurt. My guess is this is just a small piece of a larger relationship issue that you need to deal with. Okay. Um, George, what do you think? I, I just don't know what to believe about this guy. Like there's, he's saying they're debt free with no mortgage. She has no idea because she's not involved in any of the finances He's got. She doesn't even know what kind of business ventures he's into, and so this all seems like it's built on a house of lies. And while she may be in a great place financially, maritally, this is a terrible situation. And I, I'm going to go with maybe, maybe he tells you you're out of debt. You don't know. He uh, tells you that uh, well, we've, we've you have no mortgage. We've just seen so much you don't of know. this. Where That's right. Something happens. He goes. I had no idea. He had four different credit cards in a different account that I had no. And he racked up all this debt, and now he's disappeared or he's passed away, and then you're left while grieving with this whole financial picture to deal with going and I, let's, I don't know the login to the bank account right and let's make no mistake you are not a Dave Ramsey guy if your wife had, does not have a sequel I mean a, an equal if not more powerful seat at was, the table it was a bonus chapter of Total Money Makeover where Dave said <laughs> don't talk about money with your spouse make sure to keep all accounts separate and make secret sure not, yeah no this is not part of the plan we don't even know if her name is on the bank account that's right or on the mortgage if you have ever had the opportunity to sit at a table with Dave and Sharon you would know that Lauren your husband is not a Dave Ramsey guy because Sharon knows everything and please tell him to stop self-proclaiming that it's (laughs) it's embarrassing to all of us yeah he paid off his credit cards great good job man paid off his mortgage maybe good do the next hard thing which is sit down with your wife and explain where all the money is how it works and stop using I know something you don't know as a as a tool of power it's the weakest form of leadership is I know something you don't know. It's mm-hmm. the worst. All right, let's go to Linda in Orlando, Florida. What's up, Linda? Hi. How are you? Um, I'm great. Excellent. I, I wanted to know, okay, 
I'm jumping in. I, I don't know if you want to ask me something. No, first. come on in. What's up? Okay, okay. Is it okay to bargain with a debt collector on a hospital bill when the hospital refused to provide an itemized bill? Well, yeah, it, yes, it's always okay to bargain with collection companies. I'm concerned that they wouldn't give you a bill. Why wouldn't they give you an itemized bill? So we went, I, I have no idea. I asked them twice uh-huh. to mail me that, and they didn't. Okay. And they just sent it to collections. It was through the ER. We went to the ER with my husband um, last year, and they had done an x-ray and a COVID test and said it was COVID and sent us home saying that they couldn't treat us. Okay. And then they send a $1,500 bill. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I need an itemized bill. And they said, okay, we'll get back to you. They sent the same bill, nothing itemized. Mm-hmm. And I asked them again for an itemized bill. And then they sent it to collections. Okay. So here's my guess. Well, actually... I don't even want to guess. Have you driven up to the hospital and say, I need a bill because now I'm being sued by collections on something that I've never gotten itemized bill for? No, I haven't done that. Okay. This is 1000 If I told you, hey, there's $1,500 over at the hospital in an envelope and you just go pick it up, you would stop what you're doing and go pick that up. And often, I've been there too. I just wait for emails or I just make phone calls and... I don't actually get in there and not disrespectfully, not ugly, but cause a ruckus and say, hey, you're billing me $1,500. Maybe I do owe that money and I'll pay it, but I need to know what I'm paying. That's not unreasonable, Mm -hmm. but you need to look somebody in the eye and say, please, while I'm here, print me off a bill because I asked for it twice and now now another company is suing me for it and it's not fair. Because I'm just waiting on you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's best okay. if you could even take in um, take in the dates that you made the phone calls. Um, I called on this day. I called on this day. Here's a f- copy of my phone records. I've been waiting for this. Really not cool that y'all rolled this thing over already on me. Please give me an opportunity to see what you're even charging me. Right? And then, yes, when a collection company calls, absolutely you can negotiate with them. And never give them any personal information. Never None. give them access to your bank account. You can do a cashier's check, money order when the time comes. If they do choose to settle, they say, we'll take $1,000. And, uh, I mean, you can hassle the collections company and say, listen, you show me the itemized bill, and I'll be happy to pay. But until then... I don't know what this is and what I'm even paying for. And it could turn out to be a bad debt and they just clear it. Um, And it could turn out that um, you paid $118 for a piece of tape and you can sit down with the hospital and protest that. $90 Tylenol. Right. They've never given you the opportunity to do that or a $750 COVID test, whatever the thing, who knows. Um, But yeah. They, and get it in writing. Whatever they say, yes. make sure to get it in writing so that you don't call back and say, whoa, whoa I, I paid in full. And they go, I don't know where you got right. that from. That's exactly right. Very so just some good steps to protect and, yourself. Uh, I, I was stunned. I didn't ever think this through. I shouldn't say I'm stunned. I was surprised. I didn't know this this sort of practice would be legal. But um, our friend Anthony O'Neill used to work for a collection agency for a season. Um, and the gold standard was to get like, I'll cut a deal with you right now. I'll take a thousand dollars off, but I'm going to direct deposit it. I mean, I'm going to direct withdrawal from your checking account. You got to, if you give me your checking account number, I'm going to get this thing done right now. Um, and I'll do $500 over the next seven months. And people were so desperate. They'd say, okay, great. I got a plain payment plan. 
And man, that money would start just draining just the account. Draining out of that account. That's right. So don't ever give your checking account number, your credit card number, anything like that. Always get it in writing. Um, and get a cashier's check from your bank. It's worth three or five bucks or whatever it costs to get that done. Thank you so much for the call, Linda. 888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. Give us a shout. We'll be right back. Eight two five five two two five. This is the Ramsey Show. Let's go out to Alan in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. What's up, Alan? How we doing, man? I'm doing the best I can, and my wife and I. I my wife and I are 36 years old. We are a family of five, a blended family, um, and uh, our oldest is 12. Um, we split 50-50 custody, and we have two other kids of seven and four. And uh, like I said, we are dealing with our oldest 12-year-old uh, about six weeks ago, threatened to take his life, and thankfully told my wife and I uh, on the phone, to. and we've been taking him to therapy once a week. And I'm just kind of seeking your advice what else we should do in our situation. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I'm so sorry, man. Was that out of the blue? Was he, or has 12 year old been struggling for a while? Uh, with, because we are 50, 50 split with his father and coming to our house. Uh, that's a good chunk of it. Besides at school, he said of bullying. Um, and it just puts a lot of stress with that. Yeah. Um, What's the relationship and, like with BioDad? Uh, it's for the most part good. Okay. Um, or let me ask it this way. After, um, I'm assuming after your 12 year old said he's thinking about um, dying by suicide, you got him into the mental health care that he needed. That's a moment. And if it hasn't happened yet, this, this is step number one that all the adults get in a room. I don't care what happened in the past. I don't care any of that stuff. If everybody is going to act like an adult, they need to get in a room. Because now this is this is different than I get this and I get that stuff's got to be put on the back burner because we got a young a young kid here who's crying out for help. Yes, they're just thankful that we're my wife and him are a little bit closer than his dad and uh, always communicate regularly whether he's especially with us at home but when he's with his dad um, make sure everything's okay and we're just thankful that he didn't hold uh, something in uh, taking his life a little bit too long much longer and uh, so we could help sure. uh, the best that we could how's counseling going so far it's so good um, it's helped him 
uh, to speak out with the therapist. And uh, you sound like you're struggling. As a stepfather, trying to make sure that he's okay, and and we're trying to co-parent with his father. And let me go back to what I said. Struggling. Have you and that and his father and your wife? And his father's wife or girlfriend, whoever, have y'all gotten in a room and said, we have to work together on what comes next? Uh, my wife and his father, yes. But the three of us are communicating on the phone together. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Um, the next step here. So you got your kid in counseling, which is great. The next thing I want you to look at is the environment of your home. Where are the other where are other things on fire in your house stress wise how's your marriage how are your other kids are do, are you struggling financially um, do you have addiction issues like where is other tension here's what I always want to look at with kids kids absorb tension they absorb the people always say like I got I got my parents got divorced when I was seven and my first thought is yeah but you lived through their relationship from age four to seven. Right, so that trauma is two, three, four, five years old, um, if not more. Where, where are other tension points in your home right now? Well, the paycheck, the paycheck. I worked overnights, and my wife was a stay-at-home mother to try to save on daycare, mm -hmm. and now she recently, right here, four weeks ago, began um, back to work okay. uh, to help me out, and I have since got a day shift job to be at home at night to help with getting all the kids at home taken care of and with the oldest situation okay. to be there as well. So is that hurting you financially? Is that helping you financially? What's the, what is the status? There? Um, paycheck to paycheck is a lot of stress in your home. We're about the same, if not a little bit further behind. Okay. Uh, since then she's kind of replaced my second job income okay. but so here's what I want you to do to what, what do you do for a living I work in a uh, meat processing plant okay here's what I want works at a I want you to uh, that was a great move on her part she can get a discount um, I want you to think about what life looks like Alan in 24 months 2 years 36 months 48 months and I want you to be honest with yourself about your financial reality with which you have found yourself. And I rely exclusively on a great butcher who helps me and my family out. And you might have found yourself in a profession that you love that simply is not tenable anymore because you can't eat or you can't breathe because it doesn't make enough money. And you can't keep working 20-hour days with multiple kids and I mean you did the right thing coming home but I want you to begin thinking long term now paycheck to paycheck cause causes us poverty causes us fear about money causes us to get laser focused on the next minute and the next minute we start to lose the bigger picture and you blink and you're 49 years old working the same job with the same problems see what I'm saying yes and so I want you to Give yourself some space, whether that's I'm going to take an afternoon off and I know I can't afford it. We're going to figure it out. And either you go talk to somebody 
or you get one or two people in your life that are 10 years ahead of you that you trust and you say, okay, I'm going to have to make an adjustment because I'm just trying to do the same thing over and over and over again and I'm getting further and further behind. And I would say this is a, a work conversation, and I'm going to send you a copy of Ken Coleman's book, Paycheck to Purpose, and I'm going to send you a copy of his, um, his, his Get Clear Assessment on other jobs you might have, but I don't know that this is a work issue right now. This is a, I'm exhausted, I married into this, this is not the picture of my life I drew up, I'm just worn out. That's what this sounds like, am I right? Uh, not fully. It's just, I, I know sometimes the Lord tests the strong and everything kind of just hit us all at once. And since February with my mother-in-law going to the hospital and then I missed a week of work and then we fell behind, um, taking out a little bit more loans and trying to just stay afloat. And then with that, and Alan, you're not, you're not listening to me, brother. You've got no margin, right? No. And as hard as this is to say, she will go back to the hospital at some point. My mom and dad will too. I was at a funeral for a family member two days ago. It happens suddenly. There will be challenges. And so your goal, the reason we tell people this idea of peace, this idea of being able to go to sleep, is not going to keep mom from getting cancer. Financial peace is not going to keep kids from getting bullied at school. But it's going to give us some margin to deal with those things when they happen. That's what we're talking about. Um, You are in desperate need of peace, of margin, so that you can take a week off to be with your mother-in-law in the hospital and your family doesn't have to decide, do we eat or keep the heater on? That's what we're talking about. And that's going to require you to get back and say, Whoa, what comes next? Hang on the line. I'm also going to send you a copy of Total Money Makeover and Own Your Past, Change Your Future. It's three books that I want you to read. Spend some time and start thinking, how do we survive this right now? You're doing a great job. Got your kid in counseling. You and your wife probably need to go see somebody. Not probably, they do. And then you have to start asking yourself, what are we going to do in two years, in three years? And you've got to reverse engineer it and start planning now. You, my brother, are worth a life of peace. It's another hour in the books here on The Ramsey Show. We'll be back shortly. Stay with us. Do you love a good day brand? Want to see the latest Ramsey Show videos going viral? Check out your favorite moments from The Ramsey Show on YouTube. Go watch and subscribe to The Ramsey Show channel on YouTube. Hey, if you're a fan of this podcast, we've got more where that came from. Ever wondered how to win in business and leadership? I'm George Camel, host of the Entree Leadership Podcast, where you'll hear exceptional advice, origin stories, and practical strategies for success. These weekly conversations with America's brightest business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs will help you succeed in all areas of business and leadership. Listen to the Entree Leadership Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.